preaching this morning from Mark chapter 6, if you want to follow in your Bibles, and it's verses 45 through to 56. It's the story of Jesus walking on the water. And it comes immediately after he had just fed the 5,000 people with the loaves and the fishes. And it says after that, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their hearts, their heart was hardened. When they crossed over to the, they came to the land at Genesaret, and moored to the shore. When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran about the whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place where they heard he was. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his coat and as many as touched it were being healed. So to give this story some context, um, Jesus, at uh, the beginning of the day, had taken his disciples aside and said, let's go to a secluded place and get some rest. But when they got there, they found the people had followed them, so they got no rest. So Jesus preached all day, and then in the evening, he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And then after that, he goes and spends the evening praying. Then he walks across the water of the lake, gets the disciples to the other side safely. And when he gets there, the people throng around him again, and he's preaching and teaching and healing and it's just another day in the life of Jesus, walking on the water and feeding 5,000. <clears> Lots of miracles in Mark. He talks a lot about miracles. And I just want to ask you a question. Um, what do you think about miracles? What, what is your opinion? And I'll come back to that a little bit later. Uh, no one saw this miracle of Jesus walking on the water except the disciples. They're the only ones that saw it, and us, we're the ones who are reading about it, so we know about it, but the crowds never saw this, and Jesus doesn't talk about it, and assumedly the disciples don't either. Well, first of all, what's a miracle? One definition of a miracle is that um, 
God acts in such a way that he sets aside the normal laws of nature. So walking on water, nobody walks on water. That's, that's not normal. Um, nobody takes a, a few loaves of bread and a few fish and multiplies it. That's not normal. So that's, that's one definition of a miracle. But there's also another definition. God also works in natural ways as well. And um, I don't know. I, if you followed the news, you're probably aware this past few weeks ago about those Thai boys that got lost in a cave underground and um, if you remember, the cave flooded and they couldn't get back out. They were stuck underground. And uh, it was a week before anybody found them. And for them to be found, the divers actually had to dive through passages of water. They didn't know where they were. And at times, they couldn't even see a few feet in front of their face. Uh, but eventually they were found and everyone was rescued and uh, the press, they all call it a miracle. And um, if you're one of those boys and you're in that cave under the ground and a week's gone by and it's pretty late, your morale's probably getting low. I imagine one or two of them said to one another, we're all going to die down here. And um, But maybe one or two or all of them began to pray and said, Jesus, will you rescue us? If they knew Jesus. And they're praying this and all of a sudden this diver pops his head up out of the lake and he's found them. And so, well, we know the story. They're rescued and so God wasn't acting outside normal laws of nature when he did that miracle. But if an answer to prayer is so remarkable and God's activity is so unusual that it creates amazement and awe, then it's probably appropriate to call it a miracle. But, and if it points to God, and that last part is important, if the activity points back to God as being responsible, it's a miracle. The reason I say that is because when the newspapers use the term miracle, they're not necessarily using it in terms of what happened to those boys was God that did it. They just What they mean by miracle is they were just saying something like it, it was long odds against those boys being found and rescued. They don't mean that God did it necessarily. Uh, we all know about the miracle on ice when USA Olympic team beat the Russians. Well, again, for a lot of people, that miracle just means it was unlikely that a bunch of college kids were going to beat a team of pro professional hockey players, but they did. So... Whenever the Bible talks about a miracle, it's important to know it's always pointing to God as being responsible. And so, coming back to our miracle, we haven't got... Have we got that text up on the board? 
Is it possible, Jason? And the next part. All right. <clears throat> so, Jesus walks on the water, and what I just want to sort of direct your attention to is that um, verse um, 51 and 52. Uh, when he'd walked across the water, he got into the boat with them, the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Then in verse 52 it says, For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts was hardened. And so what it's telling us there, that somehow this miracle of Jesus walking on the water is also related to the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And what Mark's trying to tell us is if the disciples had have understood something about that miracle of the loaves and fishes, they would not have had this response. And so there's a connection between these two. And so my question is, how are they connected? And why is Mark sort of critical of the disciples for not figuring it out? Well, Mark doesn't tell us what the insight was that they should have got. So he kind of leaves it for us to figure out. And... Um, First of all, I just want to say about this miracle where Jesus comes to them walking on the water, don't get it confused with the miracle where Jesus calmed the storm. Remember when Jesus was in the boat with them and a storm arose and he commanded the waves and the wind to stop and it did. And um, that was a miracle, but that happened two chapters back before this. That's a different miracle. But at the end, after that miracle, it says the disciples were terrified and afraid, and they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? And so that question kind of lingers as we're coming up to now, the question of who is this person that can calm the seas stop the wind and of course we know the answer we know that it's jesus we know that jesus is god and and that is the answer it's god who's doing that jesus is actually god but the disciples never came to that conclusion and i mean who can tell the wind and waves to stop and be still that's, nobody can do that. Only God can do that. But the disciples didn't make that connection. So then a little bit later, Jesus does the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Well, again, who can multiply loaves and fishes and make them feed 5,000 people? Only God can do that. And in fact, he did it back in the Old Testament when he brought manna in the wilderness and so still the disciples haven't made the connection that Jesus is God. So now we come to our miracle today and Jesus comes striding across the waves like he's walking down the highway and only God walks across the waves and the sea. Ordinary people don't do that. And, uh, and it says there in 
after that, the wind, he gets in the boat with them. The wind stops and the sea becomes calm. And it says they were utterly astonished. And so, why are they astonished? The reason they're astonished is they still don't get it. They still don't get it that Jesus is God. And if they had realized Jesus was God, they would know there's no boundaries to what God can do. And so they might be in awe of Jesus walking across the water, but they would not have been astonished. So these disciples have had all of these evidences through these miracles that Jesus is God. Uh, They've seen him uh, before this. They saw him raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. They've seen all the healing miracles. They've been all around him while he's doing all these miracles. And even while they're in the boat, they got 12 baskets of bread that are left over from the last miracle, and they still have not figured out that this is God. And so Mark says, they're dumb, they're dull, they're stupid. He says, because they should have figured it out by now. And that's what Mark's saying here. And he says, he says, because their hearts were hardened, there was a resistance to coming to this knowledge. So, I asked you before, do you believe in miracles? And the the reason for that is what you think about them is, is important because miracles point us to God. Miracles point us to the God that can do anything we want. That song we sang earlier, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Nothing. He's God. And, uh, There's no boundaries to what he can do. Whatever your need is, he can meet it. And so these two miracles that Jesus has done, the loaves and the fishes and walking on water, they point to a Jesus who says to us this morning, he says, look, I am your all-sufficiency in everything. If you find yourself in the wilderness and you're hungry, I can come to you. I can bring you enough bread, more than you can eat, so that there's 12 baskets left over. Whatever your needs are, Jesus says, I'm capable of meeting that need. And then he says, he says, if you're in the middle of a lake and the storms are against you and you're not getting anywhere, he says, I will come to you. I'll get in the boat with you and I'll still the waves and I'll get you to the other side. So whatever your predicament is this morning, Jesus can meet that, however he does it. Before I've been to Africa a few times, a friend of mine's a pastor there, Jerry Kafuna, and he's invited me, and I've been there with him, and when I go over there, I minister, I get to preach, and and be with him and hang out with him. And, and, uh, but before my first trip, when he invited me to come, he said something, and I've never forgotten it. He says, um, Ken, he said, in Africa we believe in miracles. 
And what he was really saying to me was he'd been to America and he knew the Western churches and, and the churches here. And what he was saying to me was essentially that in America, you guys are skeptical of miracles. They embarrass you a little bit, he said. But he says, when you come to Africa, we believe in miracles. And, and so what he was telling me is I need to get myself ready for being able to handle this thought because what he was saying, you're going to be preaching, you're going to be teaching, and after that they're all going to come up and you're going to pray for them to be healed, you're going to pray for the blind to see, and you're going to do this. And that thought scared me a little bit. I thought, how am I ever going to meet their need? But of course, eventually I realized I can't meet the need. God meets the need. Uh, it's not me. But what he's saying is, Jerry was saying to me, in Africa, there's a sense of expectancy that God's going to do a miracle in, in our midst. He says, you don't have that in America. And um, Mark said, Mark said um, here, he said um, in verse 52, he says, they hadn't had any insight into who Jesus was because their hearts were hardened. And it's quite a strong word. What it really means, well, when Jesus talks about the Pharisees, their hearts were hardened towards him. They were resistant to what he wanted to teach them. And so Mark's using a quite strong word to say that there's a resistance in the disciples to coming to the truth of who Jesus was. And I want to suggest to you this morning that there's a resistance in a lot of Christians here today toward miracles, and that simply resistant simply comes from the view that we are much more sophisticated than African people, and we know that usually there's an explanation for anything. And, um, well, how did the boys get out of the cave well, they prayed, but you know what? It was just luck. The divers found them. Uh, <clears throat> and we make this, uh, how, how are you healed from this sickness? Um, how were you healed when the doctors couldn't heal you? Well, we can't explain that, but one day we will be able to explain it. It's just a lag in knowledge. One day our knowledge will catch up with what happened and we'll be able to explain it. And there's this thought, I think, in our mentality that makes us tune out of miracles. It's because we think there's an expla explanation for everything. We can explain everything. And so, and so um, I've seen this even, even as I've been reading and studying this passage up here. And I've looked at some of the commentators and to see what some of the commentators say about Jesus walking on water because I, I'd like to get their insights too. If I'm going to preach, I want to know that what I'm preaching is what a lot of other people think too. And, and, but this is what I've noticed in some commentaries. They try and explain how Jesus walked on water. In other words, they believe that there's an explanation for it. One is that Jesus wasn't really walking on the water. He was walking along the shoreline, 
but the disciples, because the, the um, visibility wasn't good, they saw him in the waves, near the waves, and they thought that he was walking on water. Well, it says in there that he was in the middle of the lake, and it says that um, he walked on water. Another um, explanation is that he was walking on a, a sandbank. There was a sandbank under the water, and that just where he happened to be walking, um, it was very shallow. Um, but if that were the case, when Jesus got into the boat, why didn't they just all just step out of the boat? But uh, so, you know, the fact that we try and explain these miracles tells us something about us. It tells me that there's a resistance to seeing the miraculous. And when we go about trying to um, explain the miraculous and instead put up there that Jesus is walking along the shoreline, we rob the text of all its imagery and its power because the text is trying to point us to the fact that it is God. And look, I tell you, if I'm in a little boat in the middle of the ocean and it's bobbing in the waves and looking like I might come down, the Jesus I would like to come to me would be the one who can walk on water, not the one who's standing on the shore saying, if you can get your boat a little closer here, I'll help you out. <laughs> so I know which Jesus I want. It's the one who has no boundaries, the one for whom nothing is impossible. I want the Jesus who strides over the waves like it's a highway. Doesn't stop him. <clears throat> so, just to bring out a few more points from this, and just to encourage our faith a little bit this morning, I just want to draw on, a, on this text a bit. Um, the first thing I want to note is that the disciples were in the lake, and they were straining at the oars. It tells us they were straining at the oars and they were getting nowhere. And there's no storm. There's no threat to their life. See, they're just, they're just rowing and getting nowhere. And their lives are not in danger. They're just putting forth a lot of effort. And I kind of like that because what it tells me is that we can all relate to that. You know, there's been times in our life when we're putting in a lot of effort, a lot of work, and we're getting nowhere. Maybe you can think of times in your life when it seems like there's a lot of headwinds going against you. You no sooner get past one obstacle, there's another obstacle there. And, and so what, what the situation is and the message here is, is from Jesus is um, just hang in there. Just hang in there because I'm going to come to you. And so when we look in the Bible... There's, there's quite a few places, and uh, if you want to go and look at them later, where you can see the believers who are straining at their oars and getting nowhere. One's the passage in Hebrews. I think it's about chapter 10, you'll find it. The church started out all gung-ho in their faith. They're all excited to be following Jesus. They're making sacrifices, but over time they get thrown in prison. Over time... 
it gets harder and harder. And in the end, when the writer to the Hebrews writes to them, they're at the danger of falling away from the church. They're at the point of giving up. And his message to them is he says, I see you're struggling, but, but hang in there. And if we want to look at Paul's life, I mean, you look how many headwinds he had in his life, thrown in prison, beaten, whipped, started churches, people had come behind and undermined what he did, started churches that would fall into quarrels and that. It must have been discouraging, but Paul kept on. He kept on doing it. He kept on struggling and then Paul's in prison and while he's in prison, news comes to him about one of his disciples who's straining at the oars, Timothy. He's pastoring a church and it's just all going bad. There's quarrels, there's fights, there's disagreements, there are arguments. And um, so we feel sometimes when we're in these situations that, um, that we're struggling alone. And so when Paul, it's interesting, I look through... Um, Timothy, and it's interesting to see how Paul encourages him. He tells him, if I can find it, but I can't. I don't know why I always lose one page when I come up here, but it doesn't matter. What Paul tells Timothy essentially is this. He says to him, he says, he says, hang in there. He says, remember when you were set in place. Remember when we came and prophetic utterances were made over you. Remember how you were given the gifts of the Spirit to do the work that you were called to. And what Paul's doing, he's reminding Timothy that he is where he is because God has placed him there. And it's interesting that... Um, when you read this story here, the first part, it says Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Why are they in the middle of the lake? Why are they struggling? Because Jesus made them get into the boat. And when we look at our own situation, our own life, Jesus has brought us here. Now, if he's brought us here, he's going to get us to the other side. I never forget a comment I heard when uh, a teacher was teaching this, uh, must have been speaking on this miracle. I think he might have been this one or it might have been in Matthew or John where it's also there too. But he says, if Jesus sends us in the boat to the other side, he's going to get us to the other side. And that's what Paul reminds Timothy. And other thing we can draw out of this passage too, it says the boat was in the middle of the sea, I think that's 47. Uh, and when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he, that's Jesus, was alone on the land. And um, sometimes when we're going through it, 
and we're in our little boat out on the sea, we struggling, we ask, well, where's Jesus in all of this? Well, he's, he's back on the land. But see what it says in verse 48. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. He saw what was going on. Sometimes we feel alone when we're having our struggles. Sometimes we feel like God could be doing more to help us. Sometimes we ask ourselves, why isn't God here with us? And the answer is, he's not here, but he's watching us. He can see. He's not ignorant of what's going on in our lives. Remember that song we sing, God is watching us from a distance? God is watching us. He knows what we're facing. He will come, but he won't come until he's ready to come. And he comes in the fourth watch, which is between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. And they've been laboring all night, and their morale is low. They're like the boys in the cave. It's been a week. Nobody's come to save us. We're still here. We're all going to die. We're in this boat. We'll never get to the other side. And that's when he comes, when it's late at night. And, you know, when I look back on my own life, I think that's probably been true more often than not, that Jesus seems to come well past the time that I would have wished he would have come. And... <clears throat> Why doesn't he come? Why doesn't he come earlier? And I think the answer is he wants to see them struggle some more. And that seems a little bit harsh. It seems like why would Jesus want to see them struggle some more? And the reason is because he knows they're not in danger. He knows that they're okay. But when Paul writes to Timothy and tries to encourage him to hang in there, he tells Timothy, he says, fight the fight of faith. I mean, this is what we're called to do, to struggle, to fight the fight of faith. We're growing in our faith when we put forth the struggle. When you and I are wrestling with things like where are we going to find the money for the rent? Where are we going to do this or how are we going to do that? And God's looking for faith. He's looking for a faith response. And there's nothing like a little bit of adversity to build a little bit of character, a little bit of faith character into us. It's good for us to struggle because when you've gone through the struggle and you've seen Jesus come to you, you know, you know that you hung in there and you know that deep down that Jesus is not going to let you perish. He's watching you. Bible says um, in one passage I forget where it is, but um, God will never allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to endure. In other words, he's watching, he's seeing your struggle, 
And although it might be hard for you, God knows that you're going to come through it. It's going to be good for you and you're going to come through it with a stronger faith for having had the struggle. The other thing is too, when Jesus was praying his last priestly prayer before he went to the cross, he was talking to the Father and one of the things he said to the Father, he was talking and praying for the disciples and he says, and he prays that God will keep them in the future and he says, I kept them for you. Not one of them was lost except Judas, the one who was written would betray him. And Jesus was said, I kept them, not one of them was lost. As long as the disciples have Jesus, whether he's on the shore or in the boat with them, they're safe. And uh, we need always remember that whatever we go through, God knows it. He's watching us. He knows what's happening. We might not be getting the answers to the prayers we're looking for. We might not be getting the relief immediately that we're looking for. But God's watching. He knows what's going on. And then it says he came to them walking on the sea. He got in the boat with them and the wind stopped. And my thought is, well, why didn't he just command the wind to stop from the shore? He could have. He'd done it before. He could have told the wind and waves to be still. He didn't have to walk across the water to them. Could have done it from the shore. Why, why walk across the water? And I think for the same reason that I said at the very beginning is... Jesus wanted to manifest himself to them in a way so that they knew he was God. He was throwing out all of these little hints. They weren't getting it, but that didn't stop Jesus from representing himself in ways to the disciples that proved beyond a doubt that he's God. And if he's God, he can do anything. And so he comes to them Treading across the waves. I like to say that, treading across the waves, because I know it would embarrass some Christians to hear us talk like that about miracles. But Jesus came treading across the waves, walking down a highway, whatever. And he gets in the boat with them, and it's calm. He doesn't just pass them by. He gets in the boat with them and they get to the other shore. And when Jesus gets in the boat with us, everything's calm. We get to the other side. We get to where we're going. And for me, for you, we got some struggles ahead of us. We're going to wonder if we're going to make it. But I know, I know that with Jesus in the boat with us, we're going to make it. So I asked you, what do you think of miracles? And maybe maybe you think a little bit like, well, I don't know, you know. <clears throat> there were some meetings here in Bemidji this past week and, and uh, some revival meetings. And a friend of mine told me about about an incident that happened 
and the person that was involved, I know them both, so I trust what they're saying is true and <clears throat> not an exaggeration. But this person went to this revival meeting expecting there to be some worship and then a message. But instead, when she got there, they had, a, they had some worship, but then instead of having a message, they said they were going to get teams to go out and evangelize in the neighborhood and witness to Christ. And this woman thought, oh, great, she's right out of her comfort zone. What am I doing here? This is not what I came for. And so they asked for leaders to volunteer, divide into little small groups. They wanted some leaders to volunteer. And they, um, she thought eventually, oh, well, I'm here. I guess if God brought me here, I guess I can volunteer to be a leader. And so she volunteered to be a leader and got a small group. I think there were just three or four of them. And they got together and prayed before they went out. And they said, Lord, where do you want us to go? Who do you want us to see? And who should we talk to? What should we do? And after they'd finished praying, they just sort of got the impression that they should go to Diamond Point and that they should look for someone there who was on their own and they should witness to that person. And so they went to Diamond Point and saw a woman all alone at a picnic table and they kind of tentatively went up and introduced themselves and said, look, you know, we're, we're Christians, we're, we're just trying to encourage people in the, uh, with the God's word or, or pray with them. If you're interested, you know, if you're interested, and in other words, we'll hurry away if you're not, you know. <laughs> and um, and uh, the person telling me this said, um, the woman at the picnic table was, she used the word gobsmacked. I never heard that word before but I think it means she was astonished and in awe and amazed. And um, what had happened is <clears throat> she had been sitting at that table asking God to reveal himself. And she said, would you send me someone? And he did. <clears throat> so... Was that a miracle? Can God do miracles in Bemidji? Even? So, if you stand, we'll pray and I'll close. God does do miracles. And uh, if the prayer team, those would if you need prayer, there's prayer after the service. And if the prayer team would come and be available, uh, they will pray for you for a miracle. They believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. God believes in miracles. God gives us miracles when we need miracles. When all we need to do is struggle, he'll watch over us. He'll make sure that we get through 
If he thinks we're not going to make it, he'll come to us. So, Lord, we thank you for, for your goodness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, we serve a God who still does miracles. We thank you, Lord, that nothing's impossible to you. You can bring people to a lady at a picnic table who's looking for you. You can bring help, Lord, to children in a cave, a flooded cave, with no hope of getting out. You can save them. Lord, you can walk on the water. You can multiply the loaves and fishes. We don't limit you in any way, Lord. We, we look to you. We thank you that we have such a God. And so, Lord, as we go, I pray for whoever is in this place today and is in need that you would lift their hearts and their spirits, that you would encourage them and that they would know that you're a God who walks across the waters to get to his people.